cliffcentral.com Welcome to it, The Bounce Show, November the, well, who cares, really? What is a date and a time when you can get a podcast of sports? Or if you're listening live, welcome to it. However you like to digest your sport, I'm here for you. My name is Ben Kopinski, and this is The Bounce Show, right here on cliffcentral.com. What a great weekend of sports. Bafana, Bafana, winners. Proteas, sort of still winning. Springboks, not winners. So Alex Noren blew everyone away at the Nedbank Golf Challenge. Uh, Brad Binder finished his season, the one where he's the world champ of MotoGP, finished that one strong. Uh, just so much to get into here. And finally, I've been trying to get this view for weeks, Naran. So this year, well, with sport being what it is for me, it's quite disappointing watching teams that you've held so dear since being a wee child uh, to become so disappointing. So I have picked up a new way of looking at sport and it involves sport betting, or as I like to call it, odds investing. The way I look at it is it's not about gambling. It's not about putting money down on something that might happen. It's about putting money down on something you think will happen. So that's my sort of slant on these things. And uh, for the last three, well, two and a bit months, I've been just taking active interest in this every single week. But today I'm talking to an actual certified and uh, kind of consistent sporting tipster, I suppose you can call him. We'll find out what his, he prefers to be called. We've got Brent Graham. Now, he's got a really, really great website called Good for the Game. Now, I've been reading the site on the sly. I say on the sly because, well, he gives really good tips. And the thing is, like I said, consistency is the main word here. So what Brent's been doing for the last however many years, I mean, for as long as I've been blogging, I've kind of, I think Brent's been around kind of doing a similar thing. But he does. He just throws out the betting tips and what you should be doing, where there's value to be had. And what you do with that is, is that you then take on your own feelings and then you bet accordingly. So we're going to chat to him today and we're going to have kind of just a feature about, is it viable? Is it a possible thing out there that you can make a living out of sport betting? I know it sounds like a bit of a pipe dream, but at the same time, this is the thing about the world we live in nowadays with the internet being what it is and alternative careers, professions, and hobbies is that anything is kind of possible, but there needs to be a few people doing it to kind of create some sort of system or normality that you can reference from. So that's for Brent. I'm glad we can finally do this betting feature. I've been trying to do it for weeks now. Um, but, you know, it's not e- always easy getting people's schedules coordinated in such a way. But Brent's taking time out of his busy schedule today to chat to us. We have, as usual, oh, my man AK is here for us this morning. What's up, Ben? Morning. Good to see you, bud. It's been an interesting weekend as far as being a cartanger. I mean, just, <laughs> just staying alive in this place right yeah, now it's, is horrendous. It's, it's not easy. If you haven't heard it, like in Johannesburg, where we broadcast from here in uh, Gauteng, South Africa, there's been like insane floods. Like you can't believe what's been going down. Especially just... on Friday. Friday evening, I was near the, near the airport and it was just coming down. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's so rough. And then uh, Wednesday, that's when, you know, like people's cars were like getting thrown downstream. People were yeah. dying. It's rough. Anyway, so every time I see someone, I was like, hey, glad you're still alive. People have been dying. This has been t- tough shit. So, okay, like I've got... I want to get deep into uh, the pro tiers. I want to get deep into the spring box. Yeah. Um, so what else have we got from the week that we can um, get clued up on before we get into our betting feature? 
Um, actually, we've got um, news that South Africa suspended um, coach Ephraim Mashaba yesterday after just a day after he guided the team to 2 1 World Cup qualifying victory over Senegal. Okay, now, I'm, I'm glad you started with this because a lot of people <laughs> are waking up to this news going, okay, um, he hasn't been, he hasn't done a Jose Mourinho, um, he hasn't done, done a Sam Allardyce. Why is he being suspended? Exactly. So I think there's a lot of dodginess in, 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 in within SAFA because now the team has won 2 1. It's, 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 it's probably a start, a good Start for South African football result, to actually, yeah. you know, it's a World Cup qualifying game, and now we go on and suspend the coach. Um, I don't know mind games because now they're probably going to lose or draw the next game, seeing that the coach is not with the team, and also then it's I, I, I don't know what's going on with Safa and the decision to suspend it, but now. Speculation has been oozing around that um, he was arguing with officials. He was an hour late at the post-match media conference, and um, it's not the first time he has actually been in a heated um, um, conversation with the Safa bosses over him picking local base players um, rather than overseas-based players. So I think we, we, we'll never get to the bottom of it up until yeah, they, of course you'll, you'll yeah. never get to the bottom of these kind of things. But what I do like is that we've got a headstrong coach looking after the interests of his team because I think ultimately when you become a coach for a national team, everybody wants a piece of what's going on. This yeah. box is the worst case here. But if a guy wants to favor local players... And then that's so be it. I mean, he because the they- coach. That's his thing. So, yeah, I mean, like, we haven't seen much confirmation. It was just a regrettable incident, apparently. Yeah. That's all Saf is saying right now. Saf, I, I, I'm, I'm actually... I don't know what's going on. But now, yeah, defeating Senegal means that South Africa share first place in Group D with Burkina Faso with four points after two rounds. Then Senegal on three points. Cape Verde have no point. Now, obviously, the group winners qualify for the 2018 World Cup in Russia. So, I don't know if that's going to be possible with the coach. Well, the thing is, his suspension might be... Ugh, I've oh, been, nine, yeah. nine months has been banged around. The Bafana don't play another game until nine months. The, the one coming up now against Mozambique is friendly. So, it doesn't it's, really have it, much yeah. of a bearing. It just, it just does seem strange. Again, like, there's just... Because there's, the guys, there's never, are, there's never normal in this. Now, place. The, I'm sure the team spirit and 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 the spirit around the camp isn't as 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 good as it should be because they won. Now they don't have a coach. They don't know how long they're not going to have a coach. And whoever's going to take who's going to be taking over has a lot of pressure. He has to perform. He's not going to perform, and then. We're going to sack him and then back to square one again. Well, easy, easy. Let's not, let's not get too carried away here. The assistant coach, uh, Dakama, he's yeah. going to take over for the friendly. Yeah. Then we've got this massive window where there's no fun or nothing. Okay. So they can sort their shit out, kiss, make up, whatever. Yeah. So I think that, I think that that's going to be fair for the time being. But the, a lot of the players only found out about this the way we did in the media. You know, uh, it's, I don't know. Yeah. Suffer can just, yeah. So yeah, some more, well, positive. South African um, results now. This Blitzboker outplayed the fellow World Series contestants Kenya by beating them 31-10 at the Saffron Sevens tournament played at the Dome Sports Arena in Namibia. So they're on the right track with the preparations. Now the team, the Springbok Seven team, came through the tournament undefeated and only conceded two tries in six games. Now the tournament started the season on a positive high for the boys, who will now have to fine-tune their preparations for the opening leg of the World Series, which will be played down in Dubai. On December the second and third, so a positive from you know from the weekend, and we've got some Moto GP three-time world champion George Lorenzo signed off his nine-year Yamaha career with the win okay, in you, Valencia. You, you gotta say Jorge. 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 <laughs> Jorge Lorenzo signed off his nine-year Yamaha career win with 
in Valencia rather and it was the final event of the season now the Spaniard led from pole position to take victory from world champion Mark Marquez who was in his Honda and Andrea Leon on a Ducati taking third place now Lorenzo will switch to Ducati next year he secured third position of the championship behind Marquez and Yahama teammate Valentino Rossi who came fourth yesterday so yeah, Rossi isn't in good touch at the moment, but yeah, man, uh, he's, he's getting on. I mean, there's always can get to that stage where he's going to be invincible yeah. to being like it's such a competitive sport. Okay. It's it's pretty it's pretty competitive, and uh, it's like when you get older, your reflexes. Because go. I'm sure Michael Schumacher didn't you know retire or, 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 or obviously the injury played a huge part, but I mean he wasn't at his peak when he. He he stepped down as an F1 driver, so yeah, maybe later stages. It's the same thing. I mean, you you can dominate a sport for only so long, and like the next generations coming through nowadays are that much smarter because of technology yeah. and all kinds of things and resources. And these teams are getting more and more cutting edge. So it's it's it, the worst thing you want to see is a great who can't then get a podium. Yeah, so you think, dude? What are you doing here? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So yeah, just before we wrap things up now, skipper Verkuli hit an unbeaten forty-nine under pressure before India pulled off a tense draw on the final day, on the final day of the first test against England. Now the tourists declared on their second innings on two hundred and sixty for three shortly after lunch, leaving the home side to chase three hundred and ten runs. Uh, from a minimum of 49 overs on the last day But now the Indians fighting for survival As expected They lost um, wickets rapidly on a tough batting strip At the Saustrasa Cricket Association ground Hosting its first test ever Now the Indians finished on 172 for 6 With local hero Ravindra Jadeja Also remaining not out And chipping in with 32 runs To yeah. save the boys Very interesting test that Because you look at every other team that's gone to India They get these turning dust balls The game's probably a 3 day event And yeah. you get but at least there's, there's results coming out of the games. Like it's 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 never boring draws or anything like that. But well, uh, look with this one because it's England, so India owns cricket along yeah. with India. Sorry, sorry, England, India, India owns, owns cricket, cricket along yeah. with England and Australia. So when those guys tour, they take it seriously. So they want the games to go to five days for TV viewership. And, and I was actually surprised to see um, India having review the review system because the last time I checked, they didn't want anything to do with that. Well, they were always against the DRS because they <laughs> knew that umpires would never give Sachin Tendulkar out because he was a legend, yeah. but DRS would give him out. <laughs> uh, these guys, they, they do what they want. Uh, yeah, because uh, there's a lot of money, you know, in Indian <laughs> exactly. cricket. So they pretty much have the buying power. So yeah, man, Ben, that was your quick dish out for today. And yeah. Nice one, okay. Very nice, very nice. So just the rest of the stories from the, the big weekend, of course, was uh, the Springbok. Uh, I mean, do, do, do we call it results? Do we call it the next step in the debacle? Uh, I know I said this last week that I'll be starting to watch the games. I I, I don't think I'm going to be watching any more Springbok games for the remainder of the year. I think it's better off just seeing the results because I, I, I honestly did and most people out there did expect the box to lose to England, but as 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 usual, we drew first blood, kicking we got six 0 up. I don't know after that, Villarreal. But yeah, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be watching any more Springbok games this year. I'll start again fresh next year. See, this is why I got into betting. <laughs> I was trying to watch the conventional way. Yeah. Well, look, it it wasn't. Um I mean, I don't know where to start with this. I've got a few clips, and obviously I want to play a few things. But yeah, mm-hmm. England started out, and they were looking so tentative. I was like, hang on a second. These guys are meant to be the second-best team in the world. This is nine wins in a row. And they looked so loose. And the box, I mean, they couldn't quite get over the fact that they had front football. Damien Allen took a, a tail ball for line, which was so so creative. I thought, hang on a second. What's going on here? The box know what to do. And then straight afterwards, with great attacking options left left and right from a ruck in the 22, Patrick Lambie decides to kick a drop goal. And 
And I just thought, okay, right, that's yeah. it. That's the game over right there. There's seven <laughs> points on the table. Unnecessary. But they'll take three. So, look, eventually, um, 10th minutes, I mean, this happened, and then it was pretty much Daniel from there. Soft tackle, missed uh, defensive errors, and then, yeah, that was it. England's got on the board. But all their tries were soft. Um, okay, this was probably, their first try was probably their best try. Again, why the right wing has to come in and take the second last guy when everyone's covering the second last guy? Just take the last guy. So the box did what they could with their seven locks in the field or whatever the fuck it was towards the end there. But it was just, it was limp. It was, yeah. Like England, England, England weren't great. And the great. number nine as well. Um, who, who's the scrum off again? For them. Yeah, for the England scrum off. He just broke twice and... Okay, I think his name is. But, like, it's not important. It's just... I don't know where this this team is meant to be improving. Um, Alistair Garcia will keep talking about the fact that the Springbok aura is not fading. Uh, he'll talk about the fact that you know, there's some difficulties and blah, blah, blah. And then Adrian Strauss. I mean, dude, I, I'm sure you're a lovely guy. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you get to a press conference or someone asks you for your thoughts at the end of the game, and the, I mean, the English are very, um, well, let's just say cutting when it comes to their criticism and their questions. They said, Adrian, are you feeling the pressure of losing all these matches is getting to you? And Adrian Strauss, he says, uh, no, not at all. We're going to have to take a long, hard look at ourselves from here and just take every game as it counts. Adrian Strauss. How many games does he have left? I mean, having a long look at. He's got, he's got two left. Adrian Strauss, we are not stupid. We don't say you're stupid, but if you talk to us like that, then you're the dumbass. Yeah. I mean, come on, have some respect for these people who you say you play for every single week. Don't talk about cuck like, we're going to take a long, hard look at ourselves and game by game. I mean, seriously, you, and you wonder why people get so irate with the Springboks and they get so angry on social media. It's shit like this. We all understand this team is not doing too well right now, but don't give us the fucking take it a game at a time bullshit. I mean, <laughs> Like it's just so insulting, and, and this is why I I, I I take greater pity on the fact. Sorry, I take greater pleasure of the fact right now. And I know this sounds horrible, but hey, I'm not going to man it to my word. I take greater pleasure knowing that I bet on these guys to lose between 16 and 20 points over the weekend, and I'll cheer for that rather. Because are we going to get one game at a time afterwards after this horrible performance? They, they don't reserve, they don't deserve our respect. As simple as that. They just score one good try though. Even though it was a massive forward pass. But let's hear Eddie Jones' thoughts on this, okay? Eddie Jones, before the match, was, I mean, he was on form. He was talking about the fact that these guys and their physicality and rugby is a physical sport. If you're not going to be physical, then go up in netball. The box talking about it like it's some sort of secret weapon. Oh, we're going to be physical. Eddie Jones put everything straight. And this is his thoughts after the match. Eddie, coaches always tell you that the ideal Saturday afternoon is that you win, you score four tries on the bonus point, and you come away with a list of things to work on. Ideally, you get the results, but you have the work-ons. Perfect afternoon for you? Uh, far from perfect, but satisfactory. Yeah, we've had two weeks preparation. We've basically got a new team. We've got 10 of the 30 guys that went to Australia not here. So, yeah, we've had to work hard to, to bring the team together. The players have been outstanding in their attitude and application. And we're rewarded with a good result. Not a great performance, but a good result. What was going on in the first 20 minutes, do you think? Was that just a bit of ring rust at the start of the series? Well, we knew South Africa that was going to be the best period of the game. Yeah, they've been under a lot of pressure at home. The media's getting stuck into them. 
Um, so they're always going to play with a lot of passion and a lot of fire and a lot of aggression, and they're big men. Uh, they forced us into a few errors. We gave away a few silly penalties, which sort of uh, contributed to us being on the back foot, but we fought ourselves out of that and came back into the game very well by half-time. It wasn't just the four tries today, Eddie. It was the beauty of some of the four tries. I mean, the first one was a collector's item. It was absolutely gorgeous. Beauty of the try, steady on, dude. They were, I mean, the first one was good, the rest was soft. The rest were just the box couldn't tackle or align themselves. And the way in which they fashioned the tries, and Ben Young's in particular, helped to make them. Sorry, Ben Young's, they're, they're the scrum off. Okay, sorry, I fucked that up. How pleasing for you as a coach is that? Uh, yeah, well, we're moving in the right direction. We still weren't sharp. Uh, you know, I'd like us to be a lot sharper. And if we want to be the number one team in the world, we've got to be sharper. But in terms of the tries that you scored, they were good ones. They were good tries, but again, we want to be sharper. You're not easily pleased you are, are you? Um, Joe Launch was our man of the match. There were any number of contenders who could have been man of the match. Who stood out for you today? Well, I thought Joe was good. Courtney was good in his 50th test. I thought Chris Robshaw and Dan Cole's work rate was absolutely exceptional. Uh, Billy Vinopolo keeps on getting getting better and better. And I thought you know Ben Youngs and George Ford controlled the game well. And no one you know, had his usual high standard game. And what's your big work on for next week heading into Fiji? Well, Fiji's a completely different game. Uh, yeah, Fiji want to play unstructured rugby. You know, you go to Fiji, there's kids running around with bare feet, they're throwing 15-metre passes, they're goose-stepping, they're side-stepping. You know, South Oregon's run straight at you, so we've got to, <laughs> we've got to change our game considerably to play against Fiji. And we want to put in a really good performance next week. And it was fantastic. We had 81,000 people a day, and, and we hope those people enjoyed the performance today. You told me we were in Portugal that after one game is finished, you immediately pick the team for the next game. So is the team already written down somewhere in the dressing room? I've got a black book in there somewhere where it's written down, yes. And is this going to be any kind of, I know this isn't a word that you love, experimentation or giving people, as you did at the end of the game today, a chance to start? We'll be looking to improve the team. Um, and looking to improve the team means we're looking at, at some short-term improvements and then potential longer-term improvements. But there are times when you may need to make changes that you wouldn't otherwise make in games, Eddie, just to try and learn something for the future? Yeah, no, 100%. And we did a bit of that today, which was good. You know, we finished up with JJ at 13, Elliot on the wing, and, and that's a possibility going forward. Oh, isn't it so embarrassing when teams actually get to experiment with you, uh, sorry, against you, by saying, okay, well, look, these guys are crap, so what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of experiment with a couple of players because next week we're playing it someone else. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, look, it's 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 annoying, but um, there's nothing, no massive surprise. Just that what really surprised me is the fact that these guys continue to look absolutely clueless. I know we can go at length about the fact that SA Rugby, we shouldn't be getting angry at the players and the coaches necessarily. It's about the administrators. It's about the people who allowed this amateurish um, kind of coaching staff to come together, and the fact that the players are just trying their best to stay above water here. They're just they're just treading water. They're they're, they're fighting for the survival. But a lot of the time, it's still, it's like shitty missed tackles, it's endless kicking, it is the inability to kind of just understand the ways of the game, and you've got to be able to adapt, and I know, it's, sorry, I can't even talk, it's just so much, <laughs> so much to digest here, it's just so unpalatable, it's just, uh, it's annoying, so anyway, Italy next week, okay, that's the box next uh, campaign, Italy next week, and then after that is Wales, and I tell you, there is not a shred of, of, of of evidence this year that the box can beat Wales. Of course they're going to beat Italy because Italy are crap. They, I mean, let's look at Italy, right? Football is the first thing. Driving Vespers is the second thing. Um, harassing women, that's the third thing. Um, <laughs> eating and drinking is probably fourth and fifth. 
more football, fashion. Yeah. fashion. Um, you know, the, the rugby is about tenth on the interest guide for for Italian men here. So of course we're going to walk over them. Well, not walk over them, but they'll win. Pilar, on, on player resources, I mean, even even the box can then keep running into them because that's all they can do is they just run into players, and they will come out victorious. And then after that, Wales, no, I'm sorry, that's not a chance. It's not going to work, and they're not going. So just look at the other results from the international uh, rugby weekend. Uh, so yeah, England 37-21 over South Africa. Italy, they went down to New Zealand, which is always going to happen because New Zealand obviously going to be really upset about losing a match so they came back and hammered the Italians 68-10 in Rome Scotland really unlucky uh, again 23-22 they went down to the uh, the Aussies the Aussies had to score late and uh, Foley had to basically convert a try in order for the the Shackle Dragons to win that one France they played against Samoa 52-8 uh, Wales they managed to sort of outlast Argentina the thing about Argentina is that they can promise going so much into these Northern Hemisphere games, but they're always coming stuck towards the end. Not like South Africa, who will lose by 20. These guys lose by single digits, but still. 24-20, the Welsh win that one. And then the Irish, again, very much experimental sides, uh, experimental in all ways. They uh, were given a pretty decent run for the money by the Canadians. I know the 52-21 scoreline would suggest it was one-sided, but... With 20 minutes to go, the Irish still had a little bit to do there. Uh, they managed to score three tries like quite late in the game, so that's the, hence the scoreline. But Canada didn't look too bad. They looked a lot more creative than the box did in every single way, shape, or form. We are just getting up to our chat with Brent Graham about sport betting. So I'm going to wrap it up with um, just from the Rugby Awards and then a little bit of cricket. So the Rugby Awards over the weekend, you know, everybody wants to feature in this one. If you've had a good year, uh, obviously, you know, you're going to be a contestant in this. Um, Safka-wise, well, we had a shit year, let's be honest. Uh, none of our guys were going to be up there for player of the year, definitely not team of the year, definitely not coach of the year. But one man who was there from South Africa was men's seventh player of the year, Sibela Sinatla. And yeah. that is so nice to see because he's great. And now he needs to come into the 15-man game. Just to run you through the other big highlights, men's player of the year was Bowden Barrett from New Zealand. Uh, unlucky for Dan Coles there. Uh, many could say it was a coin toss between the two of them, but equally, equally amazing. The team of the year was New Zealand. Um, women's player of the year, if you're interested, if you like, if you do like the women's game, that's uh, Sarah Hunter. She's English. Coach of the year was Steve Hansen. Uh, women's sevens player of the year was Charlotte Caslick from Australia. The try of the year was uh, by Jamie Heaslip. Referee of the year. I don't see why a referee should be awarded with this. Just don't be shit. If people start recognizing the ref, it means they've done something badly. Why must they be honored? They're just, they're, the players are the stars here. I mean, we don't go, oh, I'm really glad to watch that guy ref. Um, just, uh, yeah, that was about it. Those are the big things. Uh, John Davidis got an award, the IRPA Special Merit Award. I mean, that just sounds, what, what is that? Is that a long service award? Is it best rugby player with, knees that aren't his uh, it's a bit much so getting into the crickets um second test was always going to be marred by rain unfortunately they're playing in Hobart which is just basically it's like England uh, in Australia so weather's always going to be dodgy it's going to be very cold uh, Fafti won the toss and he looked overhead he looked at the pitch and thought this is going to be a horrible place to bat sent the Aussies in and 85 runs later the Aussies were all out which was really fun if you're waking up on early in the Saturday morning I know I, I definitely enjoyed it watching those guys being whittled after being hammered in Perth the uh, Aussies did fight back however uh, Proteus got off a decent and start with the bat and then uh, basically Stark came back and realized that he's actually meant to be bowling for the team rather than just looking like he has nice hair so the latest on that one um, 
Australia have done quite well to come back. Like I said, they've come back in two spurts. They came back in day one. Uh, day two completely rained out. Today, day three, South Africa finished the innings in 326. Quinton Lecoq with 100. And uh, Temba Bavuma with another solid 70. I'm really enjoying how Temba's just t- telling all his critics to piss off. And there were quite a few saying, oh, he scored a century against England, but it was an absolute road of a pitch. Well, I tell you what. Temba Vuma is becoming a mainstay of this batting lineup. He's an absolute force to be reckoned with at number six. And together with Quinton Lecoq, those two are providing such an amazing combo down the order. So if the top five don't get it done, those two are actually looking at like, the stability there. Temba with 74, Quinton Lecoq with 104. That was their contribution. 326 all out, which was a handy lead of 241. And uh, the Aussies, well, they've got some real placeholders in that team, don't they? Uh, youngster Burns coming in. He's... First test, I think, I think it's his debut. Anyway, he didn't, yeah, he, he got bugger all. He got zero out in the first over. And then, uh, Warner was handy for his 45 together with Kawaja. Uh, then Warner found a way of putting the ball in his own stumps. He went for 45, but Kawaja's been bloody good. He's 56 not out, Steve Smith 18 not out. So after day three, the Aussies are 120 runs behind. Um, Proch is obviously looking to win this one because who knows what's going to happen in the day and night tests. Out in Adelaide there. Um, if you can just wrap up the series here in front of three or four people at Hobart, then so be it. Because when it gets to Adelaide, well, I still believe, you know, whether it's pink ball or, or whatever it is, when you're a superior team, you should win. Just uh, one more cricket story before we take a break and uh, get Brenton here. The uh, surgery of Dale Stain was a success. And uh, he'll be back in action, I think, in, after a six-month rehabilitation process. But this is the story you're not going to hear or read anywhere, is what is he going to come back to? I mean, let's be totally honest here. He's 33, going on 34 next June. He's not gonna, he has, doesn't have a place now fully fit in, in the limited overs form of the game for the Proteus. It's, it's as simple as that. He just, in the last couple of years, he's fallen away there. He was being seen now as a test player. So now he's not going to play another test match for about a year. And you look at this bowling lineup, okay? Carl Abbott, solid gold. Kakisa Rabada, the future the legend, obviously. And, uh, Werner Flanders finding his best again. So there you've got three, uh, seamers. There's no space for Mornay and Morkel. We've got great spinners coming through. I hate to say it, but I mean, it's going to be an absolute miracle to see Dale Stane playing for the Proteus again on merit rather than reputation. It's a horrible place to get to in, in your career, but ugh, it's just so unfortunate for a guy who has such a long and lustrous career. Yeah. One that's been relatively uh, injury-free so far as well. But that's the reality, huh? It's as simple as that. Right, we need to get into the second half of the show, and it's all about sport betting this week. So um, I've taken a bit of a, a bit of a liking to this, I've got to say. Uh, basically, I found a, I found a website that I, I really, really enjoy, World Sport Betting. If, you, if you're looking for a, a site to kind of start off with, worldsportbetting.co.za. It's very simple. They've got great markets. It's all quite self-explanatory. Um, every week on the bounce of co.za, I'm putting out betting tips, basically showing you this is what I think about the game. If this were to be true and if you agree with this, this is a bet that corresponds to that sort of information. Go ahead and see what happens. So it's all been very um, you know, suggestive rather than anything else. But I'm going to chat to Brent Graham in a couple of minutes, and he, well, knows a hell of a lot more than this than I do. But bringing into that, I found a clip about a guy in America, okay? Now, this dude's name is Benny um, Riccardi, and he is a full-time sports better in that this is his living, okay? Bear, bear with me in the clip. It's a bit slow in places, but basically it's a day in the life of this dude and just exactly what sport betting can be for some people. No, you yelled at me because I didn't play Westbrook. That's right. That's right. Sorry, he looks after kids, so it's only right. Because you always play Westbrook with no Durant, right? I'm gonna try to do always. these. Oh, no. So just bear with me for a couple of seconds. There we go. And two. Benny Ricciardi spends okay. his life betting on sports every single day. Arms. And he does it to support his family. 
<laughs> in fact, Ricciardi makes so much money playing daily fantasy sports that he left his job in finance and now stays home to take care of his three children while researching, writing about, and wagering on sites like DraftKings and FanDuel. Not too bad. I'm not complaining. <laughs> and at this point, it's better than you made in finance? Yes. Way better. <laughs> Way better. The way I try to explain it to people is when you're putting together a team, you have a salary cap, so you're looking to buy undervalued assets. You know, just like you look for a cheap stock that has a chance to go up. You want to find you know, a cheap player who's going to outperform that salary. And if you find enough of them and put them together, that's you know, how you wind up building a winning team. And you think this is sustainable? Oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely. I mean, you know, there's a whole argument that everybody gets into about whether it's a, a skill game or not. And, you know, once you learn how to play, you know, you start playing, you, you find out very quickly that uh, it's not random. After getting one son to the school bus, it's time for his wife, Anna, to head to her job. While Benny, along with the baby, takes his oldest son to a school in the neighborhood. You play like a percentage of your bankroll a day, so 4%, 8%, whatever the number is you're comfortable with. Um, and this way you can, you know, obviously keep it going every day. That's the idea. And you just slowly, slowly build it up. Like bankroll management's a big piece of it. You know, you can't be going all in every week because you're going to lose sooner or later. You don't win every time, you know. I'll see you later. While Benny has a clear plan for earning a living with daily fantasy sports, there are politicians in New York, Nevada, and other states who are trying to shut the industry down. I have friends that live in Nevada that basically woke up and one day they're no longer able to play and, you know, sites are pulling out of the state and stuff like that. So I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, this could all go away. Ricciardi is concerned about losing the major source of his income. But at the Council on Compulsive Gambling, Executive Director Neva Pryor has no desire to shut down the industry. I'm neither for nor against fantasy sports. I'm not for nor against any kind of gambling. What I want to do is offer the support, treatment, and hope if somebody does run into problems. We're not looking to shut these people down. Um, we're looking for them to be able to give that message out and to admit that this is a form of gambling and that people are running to, into trouble. And that's what we're hoping to accomplish. Back in Weehawken, Benny is getting ready to put the baby down for a nap. And that's when his workday will start. <laughs> now you're happy? I make more now, you know, writing and playing than I ever did, you know, working 50, 60 hours a week in finance. So, And I have a lot more fun doing this, to be honest. There are podcasts to be recorded, and Benny is concerned about his on-camera appearance. We're not just a bunch of guys sitting around in our living room. Even though I'm basically sitting around in my closet, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you should kind of, uh, you know, look professional. Like the fact that I can keep the sweatpants on and I don't have to put on a suit because suit pants suck, so. Hey guys, this is Benny Ricciardi with rotocurve.com, and I'm here with our DraftKings running back picks for week 11. So that's his life for now bouncing between taking care of his three boys and earning a living in daily fantasy sports. Not exactly the most exciting life, but I like it. <laughs> Works out well for me. So people are living this life, and I know a few people locally, and that's what they do. They get all the information that they need about sport, and they find a way of then channeling it towards the betting. The thing about America is that it's very different, okay? So here, 
Sure, we got access to a few sites and uh, betting is in a certain way, but there with fantasy leagues and American football is so huge and basketball and baseball and all these kind of things. So that is just one example of someone. I mean, the guy had a decent job in finance and here he is betting about sport. All he does. I want to say he lives rather sloppily. I think you can definitely, definitely up, up his, uh, his profile a bit. Anyway, let's go to someone here in South Africa who knows a fair amount about betting and is Brent Graham. Brent, are you with us? Yeah, Ben, good to be on your show. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for making time for us today. Now, Brett, you aren't a full-time person who, who makes money on sport. You still have a day job, and this is something you do more on the side. It's very much a hobby for me. I've always loved sports betting. I, I started going to Sun City when sports betting was still illegal in, in South Africa. I, you know, prior 1994, I used to go up and bet on the round of the day. It actually required driving to the course to get a bet on. <laughs> and uh, yes, now that online gam- gambling is, is quite prolific here in, in, in South Africa, I certainly enjoy getting involved. But I'm under no illusions personally that, that I won't be changing to become a, a full-time punter anytime soon. So just on that, like people might have a bit of a good run and they look at videos like this guy I just played now called Benny. What are the limitations from you taking all your knowledge and thinking, you know what, I'm actually going to have a proper go here. In your personal opinion, what's stopping you from doing that? There's a number of limitations, you know. First of all, the, the fact is, even with knowledge, and that it, it's pretty difficult to make money out there. I think the stat is something like five percent of punters make money long term. Yeah. So you know, you'd have to you'd have to you know use your knowledge very well. And in today's modern time, as much as it's become um, using the internet easy to get bets on, information only is is out there for a few seconds. So in other words, if you can gain some sort of competitive advantage over the bookmaker, it's going to shut down very quickly. So and you could hear it, and I, I caught the end of your 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 extract that you played there. I mean, you could hear it. This guy, he actually sits in a room all day and and pretty much crunches numbers and stuff. And and while it might sound good to some people, it's, it's actually probably incredibly stressful and 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 actually not as enjoyable as as it sounds. No, I got to say, he looks like shit. I, th- I think the stress is getting to him. He was making out like he had this job in finance, and now he's living the dream. But I reckon he's a lot more stressed now. So yeah, like, yeah. What? Yeah, sorry, Karen. Sorry, Ben. What wasn't clear to me there does he charge? Um, does he charge for tips? I only caught the end of the the extract there. Does he charge for tips, or does he make his money from his punting? Because I see he does podcasts and, yeah, and stuff like that. He didn't elaborate on that, but essentially, what he does is that he has an outlet. So he does podcasts. He writes up all these t- these tips. I'm guessing he's monetized his platforms on certain things. There was a lot of. Um, product placement for DraftKings in there as well. So I think he's just one of those kind of tips that people have put money behind. So now Brent, like obviously this is the one side of it. This is the side that people look at. Everyone thinks they can turn pro at something in their lives and everyone loves the idea that they can be a sports bet or whatever. But just on the other side, getting started, how, how is it that, um, okay, first of all, just getting back to your point about making, it's very difficult to make a living. Not a lot of these, these betting companies are going out of business. So it's not like people are being bankrupting them. It's not, it's not that easy. But uh, what would your, your, what would your tips kind of be as far as getting started and the sort of mindset that people should have towards, uh, responsible gambling online? Well, you, you, first of all, you're right. It, it's, it's, it's not easy to, to, to make money out of it. And, and the bookmakers, generally speaking, have got quite a substantial edge in the long term, you know, if you look at the way the odds are set. But my advice to people, first and foremost, and this is something I took a few years to learn, but, but essentially I set aside a bankroll at one point and I, I built it up um, over a period of time. And I actually stopped betting for a few months until I built this bankroll up. And that bankroll became uh, what I was allowed to bet with because what I wanted to avoid was betting each month with the grocery money or the money for the kids' school fees and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And that was probably the most important yet. Yeah, the most important mindset change I made 
was to actually set money aside and say, that's my betting bankroll. Because before you do that, you kid yourself as to how you're doing. Um, you think you're up for the year because you had a couple of nice wins. But when you really go down and analyze it, you'll see that you've had a lot of little losses in between and you're down. So the first bit of advice for me is, is take control of your, your betting, set some money aside for it, and be disciplined. Treat it like I treat betting like other people treat betting on the stock market. So I'm disciplined. I do a lot of homework. I mean, it's all you know in my spare time, if I could put it that way. And I enjoy it because I love because I love sport. And for me, it's just added a, a new dimension to to watching sport. And I can watch a game that other people might find quite boring, but I'm I'm hooked on because I've got a bet on it. Yeah, the other day I watched PSL football. Not the big game either. It was a small something other game, but I had an idea and the bet came off. But that's again because I read a lot about stuff. Anyway, so what I wanted to get, and I'm glad you brought up the whole stock market sort of analogy, is that anyone can go out there, register to one of these sites and go, you know what, I'm putting a thousand bucks on so-and-so because I've got a hunch. That's that's gambling. That's betting, whatever. I, I don't think it's, it's worth talking about that. What I do like is what you said about you know building things up, being a bit more conservative, being a bit more sort of um, – if you look at investing in stocks, you don't go there and go – uh, that company looks cool. I'm going to throw a bunch on that. You actually do have a bit more of a look on it. Would you say it's easier to kind of get into sport betting or something you can stay in rather than getting into stocks? I mean, I'm not saying you're a stock expert here, but is this something you could say would be more enjoyable or viable for people? I think so. And the reason I say that is because to me, uh, the thing that's always stopped me getting heavily into the stock market is I feel you need quite a bit of capital to start. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you're going to buy 500 rands worth of shares or 1,000 rands worth of shares, I mean, even if your share performs really well, you know, you might be lucky to make 250 rand over the year. Whereas um, with sports betting, you, you could start with a small bank of, of 1,000 rand and, and then you set yourself, you know, I'm not going to bet more than 5%, 5% or 10% of my bankroll. And you could, uh, you know, with, with a bit of good fortune and, and perhaps a good bit, bit of work, you, you, could, you could get a lot of enjoyment out of growing that money, whereas you're not going to get that enjoyment out of, a, out of a small interest like that in the stock market. Yeah, exactly. Now, you also brought up the good point is that it's given you an extra edge of how you, you watch and consume sport. I mean, I'm, this is what it's got to me. I said earlier in the show that watching the box over a straight six-pack of beers and, and with hope, those days for me are done. I, I just can't do it anymore. Would you say there are easier or sort of better sports to get into when you start betting? Well, I'll tell you what, I used to be known amongst my friends as one of those guys who would bet on two flies crawling up a wall. I mean, I bet on absolutely <laughs> everything. And and I guess over the years, I have changed quite a bit. I essentially, I specialize in rugby betting. I bet on other sports. I bet on a bit of golf. I bet on a bit of soccer. But at the end of the day, if you compared the amount of bets and, and, and the sort of percentage of value-wise as well, you would see that I'm probably 90 to 95% about rugby. So rugby is a sport I know well, and I've decided to focus on it. Yes, Monday night football, I'm watching, I'll, I'll, I'll take a little bet, but it's but it's more of a, just a fun bet. But but my bigger bets are all related to rugby. So personally, I feel that that's where the money is uh, in rugby. But then there's a lot of other guys who are football experts and golf experts, and you know they, that's where they put their work in and they can make the money. I just find football is so unpredictable. You look at a team like Man City, they beat Barcelona, and the same week they draw to Middlesbrough. So it's difficult to kind of really, unless you really know something and you're betting on certain aspects. Whereas a rugby, look at the weekend, right? England, they were never going to lose that game. They were never going to lose that game by the handicap given by most bookies because obviously on a game where someone's a favorite, just to give an example, it's going to be... Uh, like 20% return on investment. That's the way I, I look at these betting odds. Yes. Whereas you bet with the handicap of, say, 10, 11, 12 points, you can almost get even money. So the, the way I, I see it, to agree with your rugby, is that that game there, you can bet on England winning with a handicap, winning first half full-time, 
And uh, there's a couple of other bets that just always seem like a lot better percentage-wise to go on. Yeah, I mean, you've got lots of options as a rugby punter. You know, the, one of the things we haven't touched on is spread betting as well, which is not very big in South Africa, but it's pretty much my bet of choice. We actually bet on, for example, total points and even try scorer shirt numbers, and you bet per point, so it's very volatile. So if you bet on 100 rand per point and you you lose 40 points, <laughs> you thought it was a high-scoring game and it was going to be a low-scoring one, you, you know, you lose four grand there. But it's very, very volatile. But there's there's so many options for punters to get involved in. Yeah, and golf is another one that I think also it's very much hit and hope. I mean, it's one of those strange sports where anybody can essentially win, but of course a few people do win. Um, going to, into this week, you know, the, the Ned Bank obviously was a big draw card. Um, did you bet on that? And if so, what, what would have been your approach prior to that if you looked at form and, and players? Well, the Ned Bank Challenge has historically been my biggest, probably non-rugby bet of the year. I've always loved the tournament. I must say the shift this year to the sort of November start with a bigger field took took away something for me. I can understand yeah. why it's been done. But from a betting perspective, I enjoyed the limited field. Sure. I, I enjoyed the fact that I only had to worry about sort of 12 players. Um, you didn't have to worry about yeah, a guy called Wang. Norm- you didn't have to worry about yeah, a guy I mean, called Wang never shooting heard, Never heard of a guy. No, that's it. And, and in, given the conditions, because I've also never seen Sun City, you know, have wind like that before. And I, I think that may go down as perhaps the greatest round ever played at, at Sun City. And I'd never heard of the guy before this week, you know. So to try and find a guy like that is tough. So I, I did prefer to multi. I did have a look at it this week. I actually thought uh, Henrik Stenson was really going to be tough to beat. Yeah, me too. Um, he had the course form. He, had, he was in good form. He was leading the race to Dubai. He was short in the betting. The best you could get was about five to one. But I actually had a go on him. And um, unfortunately, after a solid first round, he, he, he just struggled with his game all week. I'm not sure if he didn't adapt to the wind or the conditions, but he wasn't himself out there. I think he ended up running running eighth or something like that. Yeah, it was eighth. But now, like, I, I was betting live on that yesterday. So I looked at that field, and again, I went in there with knowledge like this. Wang guy's won twice in Europe this year, okay? He's got one of those games where, like most Asians, hits the ball quite high, tidy short game, isn't going to spray it too much. And he was four shots ahead after two holes. But then Alex Noren was making a run. So he was looking solid. Again, he's also he's won three times this year. Outside yeah. of that, Louis Ostasen, he's like watching the Springboks right now. You have huge hopes, but he, ultimately there's nothing really going on in his game right now. Andy Sullivan was falling away. And post that, there just wasn't anyone there. So out of nowhere, there was great live odds on the guy like Noren, who was like five under through six. And then Wang, he's still hugely inexperienced. So I found in moments like that, okay, obviously Nora went on to win by six. I made some money. In times like that, it's really fun. But outside of that, I just find golf so difficult. I really do. Now, golf is very tough. What I've, I used to try and I used to do a lot of golf punting and I used to write a lot of golf previews and I, I did a lot of homework. But what I realized with golf, there's so many guys out there who just focus on golf who know so much more than you do. So what I would recommend to anybody who was thinking of, um, betting on golf and getting started. There's a number of guys on Twitter. They they, they write for various websites and that, most of them offshore. But uh, there's a guy called Dave Tyndall, another guy called Ben Coley. You know, get on Twitter with those guys, read their previews each week. Uh, quite often they make a lot of sense. And um, over time, those guys have tended to generate a profit, although they've all been through bad runs. And that's what I've done with golf now. Uh, sport like the Nedbank, I'll have a look at it myself. But quite often, if I do feel like a golf bet, I'll see what are the guys on, on Twitter fancy, you know, and, and go to one of the guys that I, I know is a good t- tipster. And, I mean, these guys research golf like you cannot believe. They'll tell you which college the guy went to, where he plays his golf, best golf, the West Coast, the East Coast, on what type of greens he plays good golf. 
So they just do the sort of research that there's no ways I'm going to go into. And, and my advice to people wanting to bet on golf would be to, to get in touch with someone like that and follow right. them on Twitter pretty much all free. Yep, it makes perfect sense. All right, so just to wrap up there, Brent, so you, your tips to go in would be have a, a sort of betting fund. Obviously, you don't mind losing because that's what the nature of all these things is. You can't go in there with your salary and think, okay, well, I'm going to double my money. So that would be the, that would be the exactly. first start. Um, you know, rugby, obviously, as like you said, it offers probably the greatest value. It's the easiest to get information upon in South Africa, especially, and there's definitely nice markets for it. And um, just thirdly, I mean, what, what would be the other major takeout here as far as getting into it? It's just betting conservatively or just kind of more playing to your strengths? Playing to your strengths. You know, some people like to bet, uh, you know, if, you, if you're the type of player who likes to go for the, for the 10 to 1 shot and you hit one in every seven, you're going to make money in the long run. On the other hand, you know, you've got a lot of guys who like to take like five massive favorites of tennis, load them all together in a multiple and get even money. But for me, the, for me, the other bit of advice that I'll, I'll, I'll give people is don't just open one account. Open more than one account because although, and I must admit this is changing over the years, as, as, as the, the internet has got stronger, so the difference in bookmakers' opinions has unfortunately got smaller. So there's less opportunity to take advantage of one bookmaker who differs from another. But it is important to have um, more than one account so that, you know, if your one bookmaker is offering England minus 11.5 and, and the other one's offering minus 12.5 and, and you fancy the English, Make sure you take the eleven and a half because every now and again it's going to land on twelve points exactly, and and, and you would have lost money with the other bookmaker. And uh, David Warner was dismissed for forty five this morning. I had him on a forty five and a half. And you think, ah, oh. and that must be one of the most unluckiest. <laughs> that's got to be the unluckiest dismissal in many a year. That too. I know. I watched that. I thought, no, I can't. It really can't. But exa- exactly the point. I mean, there may have been, for example, at the time you placed your bet, another bookmaker had him at forty four and a half, and and probably. You know, the majority of the time, it's not going to make a difference. But yeah. at one time that it does, you obviously lose your whole stake, and, and it would have been great to have a winner there. Cool. All right, Brent. Well, thanks so much for your time. Um, if you are looking for advice, like I was saying, uh, goodforthegame.co.za. You have a nice variety of things here. And also, you make it pretty simple. For a lot of people, when people talk about sport betting, some of them try to sound really, really like, like strategists around this. Just cut through the cut. Could look for something with value, I think. So go on to that. Uh, I would say that would be your first step. Go on to goodforthegame.co.za. Brent, thanks so much. I'd love to chat to you again, maybe um, maybe before something worth betting on and get your tips live here. Yeah, that's it. Maybe you got close to a weekend where we can maybe uh, hide out a couple of bets. And, and yes, just, just to mention, you know, I don't consider myself a professional tipster, which is why I would never charge for tips, the pressure I couldn't handle. So for us, it's all about putting the information out there and uh, giving an opinion, but feel free to make your own. Yep, which is exactly what it is. Give us some information and then up to you what you do with it. And also at Brent Graham uh, on Twitter, that's uh, BR. E-N-T-G-R-A-H-A-M. Thanks, Brent. That's pretty much it for the show this week. Uh, just a final touch on that, that sport betting. Like I said, Brent said, um, you know, go and play around with the different sites. Here in South Africa, the, uh, quite a few have popped up. Um, my betting side of choice, and as you'll see on the Bounce of Seattle today, I referenced them, is that uh, I've played around with a few sites. World Sport Betting for me, they offer great markets. It's all pretty simple. And a uh, small thing like this site just looks good. Easy as that. You know, you want to get into a bet and you want to have something almost talk to you. Well, when the market's nicely displayed, it definitely helps. And uh, that's pretty much it for the week. Thanks for AK joining us today. And um, thanks to Brent, our other guest. If you've got anything else, this year is coming to a rapid close. It really is. Um, and the Bounce Show is going to take a bit of a change as of 2017. So if there's anything else you want me to throw in for the rest of this year, obviously we're going to do a big year in review coming the month of December. Anything else, email me, ben at thebounce.co.za. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter at followthebounce. And, of course, go on to thebounce.co.za for all things sport. 
lots of things happening this week with the cricket, of course. We've got New Zealand, uh, they're hosting Pakistan. It's the next test series to look out for. Four tests left in India versus England, and that's going to be very entertaining. It won't be like that first test, trust me. As soon as India get behind or maybe look like they're not winning, we're going to see those dust bowls, and again, we're going to see Jadeja and Ashwin running through those guys. And when that happens, I suggest you get online and make some bets because that's where easier money comes in because you can play actual values in that. You can see that these guys aren't going to deal with the spin. And then, uh, who knows, you might be able to get your betting um, account off to a slow but steady start. That's what it is. It's slow and steady. That's the only way you stay in this game. And remember, don't gamble with money you don't have because then it's hardcore gambling. Rather, invest with information you like and use an amount of money that isn't too precious to you because that's how you can enhance it on the side. But at, at no stage, think you can become like that Benny Riccardi guy. And uh, as you'll see on the Bounce of there with the blog post for this uh, episode, the guy lives like a slob. And come on got to get better than that that's everything if you miss anything at all while listening live catch the podcast on the bounce today or catch all the podcasts on cliffcentral.com go on to the bounce page there and that is pretty much it for this week i must now play out with a song that isn't terrible because uh, my producer palessa always says that i choose the crappiest music well i don't really choose anything i just drag and drop and pretty much just do this catch you next week cliffcentral.com